0: Okay, welcome back, everyone. It is Reality 101 with Dr. Molly. And Dr. Rule. And we're here to discuss Married at First Sight, episodes seven and eight. We're combining these two because this show has been a little bit low on the drama. It's been a little slow moving. So we're combining both. And um, I think that we can still talk about it in a timely fashion, but there's still some juicy things to get into um i'm back from a research trip i've been missing dr Rule. i've been missing talking to someone um, about these crazy trashy trash garbage shows and um we just as a reminder we're still covering 90 day fiance the other way um we're also going to be recording a pot or an episode today and releasing it today for that um Just as a reminder too, even though we're not recording the podcast, you can still keep in contact with us on our Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash reality RLTY 101 podcast. And we're there for any of your needs. And we're there for community and we're there for comments and questions and concerns.
1: Um, Where can they find us on social media, Dr. Rule? They can find us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Our handle across those platforms is going to be at R L T Y 101. And we would love to connect with you there. Send us a message, drop us a comment, give us a like, give us a follow. We'd love to stay engaged with you. And also, especially for married at first sight, give us something to talk about, right? Give us your hot take because uh it's a little slow. So we want to know what you're thinking.
0: We really want to know what you're thinking because we don't know what anyone's thinking on this show <laughs> because. <laughs> no one is talking about anything and from what it looks like from episode seven and eight is that I feel like there's so many couples that don't even want to move in well that's not even my feeling that's just the truth they don't want to move in they clearly don't want to be married anymore but we are gonna get into it um so I think is that all of our announcements do you want to just jump into the episode
1: yeah let's just go straight in um so our couples are still On their honeymoon, but they're wrapping it up. And the big thing that happens in um, this episode is that they have their final sort of group dinner moment. Clint offers a very long winded apology to the whole group about his comments about Gina's physique. And then they also do some rating, self-rating of where they think their relationships are. Um, And that's the bulk of the episode. They also then transition um, into living together and in the next episode, meet with Pastor Cal. But let's just pick it up at the honeymoon stage. So they're still in Jamaica. We still have to go there, Dr. Molly. Oh, Um, not even a question. I was loving it. The gold chairs. And so they're there. And the first thing that happens again is that Clint does this apology. And it's talked about in the after party, too, that it was like an hour long apology. I mean, they said that the drinks were coming out like that. It was very long winded. And I just have to say, I I I'm liking it actually less and less from him. You know, it was like you had a misstep and then you're giving this apology, which is nice that I guess you're willing to give an apology. But I still feel like you're just centering yourself, being kind of like tone deaf to the group, talking, 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 and that I never actually heard him say I'm sorry or that I was wrong for the comments I made.
0: I completely agree. It was somehow an edited version of an hour-long quote-unquote apology that never had, I'm sorry, and never really said anything. Um, To me, it was a quintessential fuckboy explanation of my behavior and never even addressed the content. He never talked about, you know, well, he did say, oh, I understand that certain comments could be offended in the group. Um, He never took accountability um he never directly turned to Gina and said I'm sorry for x and I think more importantly again it was edited so I don't know but he didn't talk about how what he said embarrassed her in front of the entire group right to me which calls for a rectification in front of the entire group saying I'm sorry that I embarrassed you in front of all these people whom I know really like you and love you and I want to apologize to them for putting them in that position, basically to pick up the pieces for him emotionally and to comfort her later. Um, I don't know. It was, it, it read very, it gave me, it was giving white mail. It was giving white cis het mail of, I'm sorry that I got caught on camera saying this and that I'm going to look like an asshole later, but I'm not sorry for what actually happened.
1: Right. And here's why I said it. And I'm sorry that you felt offended all the women at the table including Gina um but here's why and i have to say it went back to that tit for tat thing that i mentioned a couple of episodes ago or maybe it was just last episode when this first happened i i called it that he said that against her because sh- he was offended that she called out his being a redhead and using the g word right oh, God. <laughs> And he, and he made it all about being sort of equal, right? And in his eyes hitting below the belt equally. Um, and and he says that later outside of the apology, right? That he tries to make it like, we both were offended e- each other and we were both saying mean and hurtful things. And yeah, so to, to that end, for all of the pomp and circumstance around him standing up at the table and delivering this speech, I just didn't gain anything from it. I didn't gain anything from it.
0: I did gain um, more lies from other people rating their relationship above and beyond what we know they are really at. And we can start with Clint and Gina, right, in which she says that she's enthusiastic about the fact that she's at a five. Um, I have no idea what a five is. Um, I think a five is someone too afraid to say zero or two. And Clint, in his white male fashion, one ups her and he's like, I think we're at a Um, (laughs) 5.5. And I'm like, I'm glad you're feeling strong after your quote unquote non-apology. So, but um, no, we hear that they're at a 5 and a 5.5 and that's nothing new. Um, We also hear ratings from Eris and Jasmine. Um, Do you want to
1: talk a little bit about their ratings? Oh my God. Poor Jasmine. I just... I feel so bad for her yeah so again it's it's the continuation of Eris thinking that she's way more into him than he is into her I don't remember their exact ratings I think they were in a seven right or in a seven and a half um I mean I think it's fine that he rates them a little lower than she rates them but i'm not getting this this sense that she's at a 12 for him and i'm not getting the sense that he's i don't know at a maybe he is at a 5 for her but i'm not getting the sense that she's at a 12 for him um so yeah i just i feel bad for her i feel like she just deserves somebody who's a little bit more into her and i i really hope that grows Um, I agree I, I completely agree I think and
0: we can talk about this more as it goes into episode eight Jasmine is someone who I think is a lovely person like personality wise or interest wise I don't think I'd be friends with her in the outside world and that's not a dig it's just like I think we're different people but I also think I again and I've said this before really respect how her identity as a beauty queen has not seeped into any of this experiment at all again we could go down this path of like I'm used to men always liking what I look like Um, and she has never at once said that at all, but she's never gone the other way of saying, well, I guess this means I'm ugly, or I guess this means I'm unattractive. Um, I think, and it's revealed in his, their conversation with Pastor Cal in episode eight, that I think he has a classic Madonna whore complex, um, where he's just married to her and he can't see her as, um, a sexual subject or a subject to be desired, which we can talk about, but no, I mean, I think they're rating everyone's rating to me. I think the reason why they don't stand out to me is because they're just categorically ambivalent Um, besides Chris and Nicole who continue to have the strongest foundation in the group. And, you know, they're around an eight or so, but that foundation, I think gets shaky in in episode eight too. When, when pastor Cal comes to visit, but overall this was a non meal and I can, I didn't want to, I guess we can
1: transition out of the dinner and do you want to like talk about specific couples? Oh, go ahead. I have one more thing to say about the dinner. Mm-hmm. I laughed out loud, maybe for the first time. Um <laughs> when Chris rated he his and Nicole's relationship at an 8.2. <laughs> she's like, me too. 8.2. <laughs> I mean, I laughed out loud. Like that was so peak, Nicole. I mean, I'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they've got some like, I don't know, telepathic connection or something because he guessed her name, but I just, I don't know. I thought it was hilarious and it was just so (laughs) on brand for them, you know, just do you love me yet? 8.2. I said 8.2 in my head, like just the eagerness, Nicole, I'm finding her very endearing.
0: Yeah, there's like a lowercase T thirst going on with her, which I just respect because I am maybe I'm a romantic. Well, I know I'm a romantic, but I think on some level, like you need to be obsessed with your partner, even if it's just like a tiny bit of who you are. But like you need to like think they're pretty cool. Like you think you need to think they're like crazy. Like I'm glad I love you like this because I'm nuts for you. And she's she's um underscoring the nuts in that. But um I'm really excited for her and I'm excited for them because yeah they're in a solid eight point two. <laughs>
1: Ew. Oh, my God. I'm, like, crying. <laughs> I'm thinking about it again. It was hilarious. Um, but, yeah, I I also thought that, you know, like, Shaq and Kirsten, I don't even remember what their ratings were. It's kind of – they're they're becoming, like, the boring couple. Which is so sad
0: to me. I, I mean, we said that we're going to try to get him on the show so I cannot refer to him as my boyfriend. But I was going to say, like, I – I think that in this episode, it's starting to be palpable, um, how uncomfortable he is around her. Um, I, and I, I thought that it would be the other way around where she would be uncomfortable around him or more distance, but have you, did you peep, like peep the side eyes that he was giving her in this episode? Like, I think that he is irritated with her.
1: And that honestly makes sense. I mean, okay. So Shaquille is still my show favorite, I could actually see us being friends or hanging out on the outside. Like he just seems like such a nice, normal, approachable guy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like she has this kind of wall up toward him. And I feel like their dynamic, I don't know if it's his personality or if it's just their dynamic, but I feel like he's in the position in the couple that he's the one that has to just like eat that, you know, and swallow it and suppress it because he wants to please and satisfy her. And yeah, I mean, I don't know how sustainable that is.
0: I don't think it's sustainable at all. And I think that when they had their conversation, another kind of event of the episode was when they had a conversation about how she thinks his jokes are corny. And um, I'm like, welcome to just being with another human. I I mean, just from this podcast, you all can gauge the amount of corniness that my partner has to put up with, but I think that that is totally normal. And she's like, there's a time and a place for it. But that also goes back to our kind of (laughs) our diagnosis of her the first episode, which is that she has a hard time expressing what she needs or likes or like desires in the moment. And so what she just you like, just say like, I'm just not really feeling jokey right now. Or I don't know, not say anything at all. And you just kind of, that's like a put up or shut up thing to me.
1: Just a corny behavior. Like, no, I mean, I just feel like, okay, my personal opinion, I'm actually not that jokey of a person, really. I'm kind of have a serious demeanor about myself. So I understand and am sympathetic to that part of her. But I will say I didn't get married at first sight. She got married at first sight. And she's married to a guy who has so many wonderful qualities. And I think that her picking on his jokingness is just like nitpicking. Yeah. Because I could see that that could be annoying if, for example, she thought he was a deadbeat. Or if she thought that his joking or a lack of seriousness was getting in the way of his like career or priorities or responsibilities. But it's not. I mean, he's got so much going for him he is dedicated serious committed all of this and he just like makes some dad jokes sometimes like lay off leave the man alone
0: mm-hmm. yeah leave our guy alone
1: <laughs> <laughs> i just heal <laughs> we're trying to get you on the show um
0: no but i just you know i completely agree i think um with that he yeah I just think it's in his body language that he is ready for this experiment and she is not and um that's going to be my thesis about when we talk about episode eight but do you have anything else to say maybe about um, Shaquille and Kirsten for this episode or do you want to go to another couple in this in episode seven
1: yeah we can we can move on of course we have to circle back around to Chris and Nicole Mm -hmm. um Do you want to go there or was there someone else you wanted to talk about first? Let's go to Chris and Nicole. Okay. (laughs) I think we all know what happens. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Chris has um, an emotional breakdown, right? And it's presented in a very dramatic manner. He's crying. He's got his head in his hands outside. And I'll give it to Nicole. I thought Nicole was an angel. She was so sweet in coming to him, comforting him, giving him the reassurance that I think is precisely like what a spouse should do in this moment. But Dr. Molly, what was Chris so upset about?
0: Chris was upset because after the honeymoon, they go into their joint housing, right? Which is a third party housing. And th- they had a two dog rule. Chris has two dogs, Coda and Kobe. I hate that I know the names now. And then she has a dog, Charlie, that are quote, their sons. And you can here, I'm not a dog person, quote their sons. And they have a two dog rule. So, you know, somebody has got to be the third wheel. And he's very upset about this because he concludes with his head with his head in his hands that he can't be without his dogs and he doesn't know what he's gonna do um she like you said, she comforts him. I just don't I this we can talk about masculinity this is not about a, a, a critique of masculinity. I have no issues with men crying. I have no issues with anybody falling apart over anything okay. I am more of a detail, problem-solving-oriented uh, type of person. My thing was, okay, well, if this is a no-brainer. Then we don't cry about no-brainers. We just call somebody and tell them what it's about to be or call production. You're on a television show. Call production and say, this isn't going to work for us. And if you want us in this experiment, you don't want us to quit the show, then you need, like, just play hardball. I I didn't understand why we wither wither and, and need comfort. I don't know. That's just me.
1: But he's the nice guy.
0: No, I don't care.
1: Plays hardball. He's a nice guy. No, but I totally agree. I I also was not here for it. For me, it was even less about the problem solving and more about the dogs. Like, <laughs> also not a dog person. Don't come for me. Yeah, um, we don't care. <laughs> I, okay, I, I do have a cat. I love we very love much.
0: cats. God bless cats.
1: Love my cat very much. But also I spend extended periods of time away from my cat when I have to travel for work or pleasure. I have people I can call in my network who will watch my cat. Um, yeah. And like, it's, it's just not something I'm going to cry about. And so for me, I think that was the sticking point for me was, first of all, like you said, this is just a problem solving issue. But secondly, um, I I have to admit that I don't totally understand or relate to the inability to be separate from your animals, knowing that they're being taken care of, knowing that they're safe in good hands. Um, Like, how did you come on this honeymoon? Why did you sign up for this experiment? Like, I, I don't know. It just, I don't know. Like, just take care of it. I and, You know, I've said it from the beginning that I think
0: that they, well, there's two things. First, I think that in our generation, um, there tends to be, like, millennials tend to be more quote-unquote dog or pet people because of the economy and the way we were raised and our hyper-individualism, we tend to have children later, Right. So I get that there's going to be a lot of dog people and be a lot of pet people on a show like this. That being said, I think that pets are still a foil for family on the show because this show, unlike Married at First Sight uh, Australia or Married at First Sight UK or Married at First Sight Sweden, does not know how to deal with people who have kids. And so if we actually had people with kids on the show, I think that it would render all these dog and pet discussions moot and they wouldn't know how to relate to millennials anymore. And I think that's what keeps the show on the air. So, I you know, again, like I could, we could go off, like I could do pop psychology on him. I don't know if he just formed relationships with these dogs over other people in his 20s or what happened, but I completely understand. Like our my lifestyle as an academic does not allow me to have a dog slash I don't desire to have one because I already have two children. Why would I get a third? Like that doesn't even give me anything in return. But I, yeah, I just... And the dogs become an issue again, or we talk, we see the dog behavior. Do you want to go into like episode eight and talk about what we see with the dogs? Or do you want to wait? Sure. (laughs) Okay. Because my first note of episode eight with Chris and Nicole is meets dogs, period. Dogs hump, period. So we get peak humping footage uh, of the dogs, which is, I don't get. And um, we see them meeting. And what do you think about the mommy and daddy rhetoric around the dogs in episode eight? (laughs)
1: Oh my God, you're really putting me on the spot. <laughs> people are going to hate me. I don't like it. I don't like it. It's just, it, but that's just because it's not personally my style. I think it's a little weird, but I know a lot of people do it and I have a lot of friends and close people in my life who do it. It's just not me. Okay. And I think the important thing is that again, I'm not in this relationship with Chris and Nicole. Mm-hmm. This is not a this is not a throuple, this is just them. And if they want to call themselves mommy and daddy, and they're gonna have these three dogs be their children, that's their prerogative. It's not me, I won't be joining. Um, but I think that they're equally matched. <laughs> well, and I- equal matching is the point, right? I completely agree. And I'm like, man, can you
0: imagine if one person was the mommy or daddy person? And then, you know, like I was in that relationship or you and I'd be like, no, this is so weird. And so you're right, I think it's great. Um, I think that Nicole has a healthy attitude about how her dog Charlie is gonna be away with her dad and he's gonna be fine. Problem solving. Problem solving and not taking it personally. It's not about them. It's just about they're in it for a short period of time. Yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about their experience of this discussion about leasing apartments and them talking with Pastor Cal?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let's just stick with Chris and Nicole. So I was very surprised. Same. I was very surprised that they decided to renew each of their leases for another nine months rather than just fully committing to moving in to this shared space or getting a new shared space together. Um, I was so surprised. I mean, we see Nicole again, ask Chris, do you love me? (laughs) Um, Which he says, no, very awkwardly, uh, but I'm glad that he's being truthful. But I mean, she's asking that question, wanting him to say yes, right? Like you said, she is lowercase t thirsty for him. Um, And I think that she in particular wants to just go like a hundred percent, right? They are affectionate. We learned that they're being intimate now, right? They're the first couple uh, on this season. Again, I think it's probably a new record. That we've just now had a couple have sex. Um, they worked out the dog situation, their mommy and daddy and children with the dogs. Like, I was so surprised that they didn't just like go full force and move in together.
0: I completely agree. I Okay, so I wanna if I could disagree with you, I would say the terminology is that they did not agree to anything. I think that she he decided something and she went with it because she's she even says she quote didn't want to rock the boat. Um, and so when he first said that he wanted to renew leases, I thought that I seriously thought I heard it wrong. And I was thought he said, Oh, you renew your lease and I'll move in with you. I that's what I heard because that would have been more consistent with his attitude. It's just become abundantly clear to me that, so even though this is our strongest, I think our strongest couple of the season, that this is now thought of by contestants as a matchmaking show and not as a marriage show.
1: Yes, that is so right, right? That that they're brought together, but they're not acting like they're married, right? Yeah. Um, In the traditional sense of what we expect from a couple that's married, meaning cohabitating, um, deciding that there is no out, right? That the divorce is not really an option and planning on this person being your life partner. That's such a good point, Dr. Molly.
0: Thank you. And I am really disturbed at them saying using phrases like, well, what if we have problems? You're going to have problems. Do you expect to be with someone for the rest of your life? What is that 40, 50 years and you don't have problems? Like, I just, to me, again, I'm like, you, where is the marriage one on one before they even enter this experiment? Do Have they read any books about marriage? Like, I just don't understand. And so when Chris said, yeah, he wanted like, well, you know, then we can have our space and all of these things. And um, you know, in case we have, pro- you're not dating. It's not, we were put together to build a foundation. Then we go back to dating. It's you're on a marriage show. You are married. Now you move in together to be honest with you too, by the way, I don't know where's the rel- reluctancy of joining finances. I'm like, you know, that if you rent two apartments, you're continuing to spend money on two things. How are you saving for a house? I I don't understand that personally in this economy, but I just completely disagree. And I think Pastor Cal missed an opportunity. He he put it as, oh, well, like you guys are going to really want to be together, you know, after a couple of weeks because you're so in love. But I think that he should have just said practically, that's a bad practical plan.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's totally fair. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think what this is fundamentally illuminating for us and for viewers is that this show is premised on a very particular idea of what marriage is and what marriage looks like right and there are plenty of marriages that don't involve cohabitation right or you know people live in different parts of the world for example um or are apart for work but i think that there's a a premise that if you were in the same place that you would live together. And that's what's so shocking and surprising about Chris and Nicole is that you are in the same city. Why don't you just live together? And it's exactly like what you said. Um, They're pumping the brakes and actually going back to just being matched in a dating sort of way, not approaching it as this is my person who I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. And Um, The other really interesting thing about that to me, too, is that it it opens up this possibility for I think people to go on the show, not because they want to be married, but because they don't want to be single. Right. And I think that those are two fundamentally different things. Um, going back to your point, like how many books have you read about marriage or what do you know about marriage or what are you expecting about marriage? Right. And I I think that the experts ask these questions um, when they're doing the matchmaking process. But I I just think like it's such a fine point because. Again, right, like what is marriage and are you being driven to this type of partnership and relationship? because you want it or because you just don't want to be single and stigmatized or lonely, right? Two different things.
0: Yeah. And the, the last thing I wanted to mention too, is that Nicole, what we're seeing, I think is like our first really emphatic response of her toning herself down for the relationship. I think, you know, she, they've made, or they showed some kind of like undercover footage about her being like really loud or something. And I didn't even think that was like crazy, but Um, when she says in her, in the moment that I don't want to rock the boat, so I'm just going to go along with this, even though it really makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, that's a big thing to not rock the boat about. To me, that is almost deal breaker. Like that's totally different ideas of how you see the trajectory of the relationship. That's not like, especially as someone who just gave up her dog. Um, it's clear that she's turning into a yes woman because he is a really great partner and and potentially, you know, the best partner she's ever had in her words. I think that that is going to bubble up and she will explode eventually on a decision that, you know, probably doesn't warrant that type of response or on him. And I think that's a recipe for disaster.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you had to give them a projection, are they still a yes, like in past weeks? Or do you think that that issue... Could be a deal breaker. I thought that,
0: you know, they were unwavering 10 absolute yes for me. But now, like I'm saying, I'm having a witchy sense that she's going to go off on him about something else before the end. And that's going to be their main drama of the season. So I am actually an I don't know TBD.
1: There's still a yes for me. I think that they're going to make it. I think they're going to be driven by their desire to not be single Yeah. um and i think to that end they will make it um because also you know relationships are compromise right and so i do think it's healthy that they are compromising i just don't know if it's ultimately going to lead them to a place of longevity and success so for me i'm going to give them an 8.2 i'm going to say yes <laughs>
0: Oh, you're so cute. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Godspeed to them. I hope it works out. Um, do you want to move on to Dom, Dominique and McKinley? I think they're the other, we'll be able to breeze through these other couples, but they have a lot of content. Um,
1: Mac and Dom, Mac and Dom.
0: Yeah. I think so. Basically what we saw on the honeymoon is just them noticing their incompatibilities personality wise, and now they see each other's places she does not like that he lives in the basement there are elements of what she says that I can relate to I'm not saying I feel the same way but I can understand where she's coming from like living in the basement is not so much as a indication of poverty for her but of transition and transitory lifestyle behavior that she doesn't want and I would like to start with kind of her discussion of saying kind of, she keeps reiterating that, oh, well, this is, you're just testing Nashville out. You're just testing Nashville out while being on an experimental television show. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. What's your issue with experimental behavior? Because you're the one who just signed up for a show where you get married at first sight. So I don't know.
1: Okay. I actually disagree. I'm kind of team Dom here for me mckinley living in this basement of his family friend's house has nothing to do with the basement right um the basement is a non-issue it's the fact that he doesn't have his own place right and i think to her that signals a lack of stability and a lack of autonomy and um and self-sufficiency right and i understand why perhaps he made this decision um to move in there he doesn't want to jump into a lease he makes it very clear that it's not a matter of his finances that he could go out and get a place but just that he wanted to take more time getting to know nashville before you know committing to living in, in a particular neighborhood that all makes sense to me but i i do agree with dominique right that it's inconsistent that he would say he's going to be so conservative and hesitant about his housing but then jump in and do an experiment like get married at first sight right and i i appreciate her concern too that he keeps saying i'm feeling out nashville I don't really know where I want to live or how I want to do this, but yet I've committed the rest of my life to being here, but I can't commit to a lease. I'm team Dom in this case. I can respect
0: that. You know, I will go back to, you know, maybe this is, well, Dr. Rule, you're going to see Dr. Rule's face. If you are on Patreon, you're about to see Dr. Rule's face get really wide. I think I'm scared. He's so scared. I think Dom really needs a, a paternal connection. I think Dom sought out an older man. She says that I wanted an older, more established man who's more stable and has his own and his, has his shit together and has a good job. I think she wants daddy energy in her life. And I totally respect that. I am. I too like older men. I like them to be established, not just physically or not just materially, but also emotionally. But I don't think she understood that just because you're 10 years older than me or nine years doesn't mean you have your shit together. It's just not the truth. And so I think she's looking for a rock and specifically a male embodied rock. And I don't think she, that's, he's not it, but that's this is gonna be a life lesson for her.
1: I agree a hundred percent, right? I mean, she she wanted a guy and the language she used was older, mature, established. But what she wanted was a guy that, has been living in his place, that probably owns his place, right? That has a built-in friend network in this place who is going to be able to provide for her, right? If something were to happen to her, um, that she can totally rely on to supply her livelihood. Um, And that is not Mac. Right. That, that is not McKinley. Um, I, and again, like to each their own, right. I think that that's fine, but I think that the way that she verbalized that to the coaches gave her somebody like him, um, who I think is, is not there. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, I would be upset if I went on a dating show and got married to somebody who, you know, didn't have a living space that reflected them you know I would I would be like raising red flags like what is this how long do you plan to be here because he's been there for five months right like where is your stuff you're you um are brand new to this place but also to this relationship like I don't know to be honest it seems a little strange to me that they even let him on this show Hmm. The the fact that he's living with these people has nothing to do with poverty or income, right? It's not about, it's not a matter of finances, but it's, it is a matter of establishment. Like. I I think that you kind of have to stand on your own two feet first before entering a relationship. And I think the fact that he doesn't right or isn't in this moment in his life is worrisome then because how are you going to go into a into a marriage
0: I don't know no I completely agree with you I think I'd be the same exact way but I think it goes back to our original kind of like thesis about the show which is that you sign up for married at first sight which means you could have gotten anything and you have to be prepared for anything and how you're going to kind of like move through those changes um Two things. First, I think that Dom also wanted someone with more Southern sensibilities, and we've seen that through, like, oh, I wanted you to be more adventurous with hunting and all of these things. But I think we're reminded that he is Midwestern, and <laughs> he is trying things out, right? He, and not that that's like a Midwestern sensibility per se, but that he clearly has strong roots there, and that he's not like a Southern boy. She she says that she's like, oh, I wanted someone who like, um, you know, doesn't. Or she says, I don't have plans to move, leave Nashville. She wants someone who's a pillar probably in the community and Southern men at 45. I think she should be, if she wants someone with the things that she wants, that's more 20 years of her elder, they're probably married in the South at 45. And so you got to wait till they're 50 for the second marriage. You know what I'm saying? But I think that, you know, that's what she's looking at. She's not going to, she's not going to find it. But I do want to be a married at first sight historian for a second and say season 10 in Charlotte, they let that guy Matt on the show. Who was the traveling NBA player or the traveling professional basketball player? Do you remember that guy? And he was homeless.
1: No, or I could I say he
0: know. was houseless or he was in like a transitional space. No, I don't remember him. Yeah, play
1: out in his case.
0: They matched him with this was like yeah the Jamie season, but they matched him with the very athletic like tomboy person woman. I don't remember her name. And she was like an elementary or middle school teacher. And basically he started ghosting her. So they moved in together into the apartment and then he started being gone and like going to clubs and stuff. And he just poured that, like drove that poor woman like up the wall and they didn't even make it till D-Day, but she stayed in the experiment. So they kept her on camera. She was doing all the things with everybody, but um, he was like the really tall white guy with all the tattoos. And he clearly was on the show because he was looking for a spot to live
1: (laughs) Yes. This is coming back to me. This is coming. And, and was he the one that would like stay out all night? Yeah. Yeah. And she would be like 2 AM and she'd be like crying. On the way. Way. Crying on camera.
0: Yeah. That
1: was sad. That was sad. That was
0: sad. I've been there. It's, it's sad too. <laughs> like...
1: <laughs> that was a sad
0: couple. So yeah, I mean. But they, they let anybody, have you noticed though, that these are all the male embodied folks. We never have a woman on the show who. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm in a transitional space. I don't know. That's a different conversation for another
1: time, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like for me, it, it really, I think is important that we parse out that it's totally separate from, you know, uh, what do I want to say? Like socioeconomic status, right. And, and from financial status, right. Like Pastor Cal reiterates to, to Dominique and says, like, he's not broke. Like, don't read his lack of home as brokenness. Yeah. And, and I think that that's totally fair. And same thing with, you know, this this NBA player guy from the past seasons. Um, But I think what it does represent is a lack of stability and establishment. Right. And I could see how that would be concerning for someone who marries somebody at first sight. And is just kind of like, it's hard to even get a sense of you, right? Because you're in this liminal space. Like that's why they bring them to a honeymoon in a neutral location is so that they're divorced from their context, but then they come back so that they have context. And it's like, Dominique is looking at McKinley going, you still don't have any context you're mm-hmm. effectively living still in a hotel. Like, how can I learn about you? And that's disorienting. And also, I think a little bit uneven because she is the mature one. Right. Um, and she is pretty well established. And then, yeah, they have a very tense exchange at her place, too, because he like doesn't want to engage. She's obviously proud of her place. And she's like, look around. And he's like, I don't want to look around. Um, yeah, which I think is code for like, I, I think that
0: they both are like, I know everything I'm going to need to know about you to know right now that I don't like you. That's really what's going on. And there's a lot of tension and I don't think like, I think that they're not a, they're not a good match. Um, and I think that, uh, well, we see that, right. She says she doesn't want to move in. And she doesn't move in. She wants to go home and take a bath. And that is what she does.
1: Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that they're going anywhere good. Um, I think the adventure thing is, is also, I don't know, a foil. Like we talked last week about a foil. Um, and I, I think that the adventure thing is also that I think that she just doesn't like him. I think she doesn't like his personality because again, he's doing the things ultimately. Um, yeah, I am not seeing good things for them at all. No, correct. Yeah. So I think they're going to be
0: DOA. Um, what are what are your predictions? I think they're DOA next episode, personally.
1: Yeah, I, I don't see them recuperating. I mean, they're going to stay on the show. We know that at some point she kisses Clint. I can't wait to see it. I'm just waiting. When is it going to happen? Is it? Oh,
0: a day- they actually teased that for like two weeks and they just dropped it.
1: I know. I know. So now my theory, my thesis is that I think they're going to break up, but they're still going to be on the show and things are just going to get worse between them. And then she's going to kiss Clint because it's going to be like, I'm not with McKinley anyways. So it doesn't really matter. But then she's going to mess up Gina and Clint's thing.
0: Oh, look at you. Um, Well, you know, I live in Spoilerville population myself. So I already know. So I'm not going to say anything. I'll neither
1: confirm nor deny. my god yeah let us know in the comments leave us a chat send us a message are you following the spoilers like dr molly or are you watching in real time and enjoying ignorance as bliss like dr rule let us know oh
0: yeah please let us know because we really we need to understand um also just as a PSA my predictions for couples are never based on what I know for spoilers I base it on what I saw in that episode so just some just a reminder to everybody um do you want to quickly
1: who else do we need to talk about um a little bit about Eris and Jasmine and oh. his quote-unquote bossiness as they're moving into the mutual space
0: Yeah, that was really cute. I would have cracked under that. I would have been like, so this is a mutual space. Or I would have, I don't know. I mean, I'm really trying to think about how I approach my relationships. That's what I like about this show. And if I were her in that situation, I would have been like, you know, I've heard five things that you want. So now I'm going to say five things or you get, you know, out of those five things you just said, you get two or you get three. But I can't accommodate everything. Discussion over. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I think again, um, now that they're like back in, in real life, it's going to get real, real. And I think there's a high likeliness that, um, their lifestyles are just not going to match up. I mean, he seems like a person that's pretty set in his ways, right. Which is something that comes with being single and living as a bachelor, right. You get accustomed to one way of doing things. And I think that's what we're seeing here, right. Like no shoes in the house of course a lot of people don't wear shoes in the house there's nothing fundamentally wrong with having shoes or not having shoes in the house but it's the fact that they're not aligned on that yeah that's where the tension is going to come or the dietary things right um again i think that that's going to come back the dogs right like he doesn't want dogs she has 10 dogs at her house right now I I think they're going to have a lifestyle uh, clash, and I think it's just going to further exacerbate the friend zone.
0: Mm, That's really, yeah. You know, what's funny too about the friend zone is that to me friends don't bicker about little things like this. So I think that they're actually in a relationship zone very much in a relationship zone. And, and I wish that they could see it that way. Cause even when you're arguing and like nitpicking, like, that's you don't really argue with your roommates about that you just stonewall so I don't know or did I just reveal something about myself about how I stonewall everybody
1: (laughs) well I don't know I mean I'm thinking if I had to move in with a friend of mine that had a totally different lifestyle like at what point would that become a problem you know because you also don't always live with your friends that you have very different lives I don't know well,
0: yeah. I just got traumatized. was thinking about roommate stuff. Um, but yeah.
1: <laughs> grad school, ah, um, let us know your roommate horror stories. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's just have like a trauma support recovery group. Um, but yeah, no, I think that, yeah. So they move in, he's very nitpicky. And again, I feel like she thinks that she's you know, down in this relationship, right? In terms of like they're moving at his pace, right? And I have a really amazing therapist that always says the person with less desire, sexual or physical attraction, whatever, less desire, they maintain and determine the pace of the relationship. So I think that's what's happening. Eris is determining the pace of the relationship and she's like, I'm just along for the ride. He doesn't really like me. So I'm just gonna like kind of go along with everything and because I don't want to give him another reason not to like me. And no, I think he's just kind of being nitpicky. And I think that she would be fine to just
1: challenge him on that. But yeah. Ultimately, do you think that they're going to stay married or get divorced?
0: I think they're going to get divorced. And I think, again, he will dictate or he will um, initiate that divorce on D-Day. They will have him answer first.
1: Um, What do you think? I totally agree. I think that he's very much sort of running the show, um, determining the tone, the pace, and I think it's going to be a no from him. I don't think that that chemistry is going to grow. I think it's going to decline as they have to deal with real life challenges. Like, again, his family, their lifestyle differences. I, I think the gap is just going to grow wider. Yeah,
0: I think he has a Madonna whore complex. He's like, oh, if I was on a vacation in Jamaica, I would have been having sex all over the apartment. And that's like who you think are your girlfriends who don't have longevity. But now that you're with someone for life, I think he has a hard time seeing her as that. And he's using his the type that he, these other women were as an excuse. Um But I also wanted to mention that Married at First Sight did my favorite thing that I've ever seen on the show, which is that they introduced the little baby puppy and they even gave the baby puppy a little Chiron. Did you notice that at the bottom? Like, so she had the baby puppy at her house. I forget what the puppy's name was. Tesla. Yeah, it was Tesla. And then underneath it, they said, Runt Baby. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah.
0: I don't know. It was just really funny. It was really cute. Like, even
1: he gets a little tagline. (laughs) Run yeah. to baby. <laughs> I will say, we talked a lot about not being dog people but those dogs were very cute very really
0: cute. cute and i don't even know where this plays in my politics but i was like why are they all in a cage that
1: made me so sad yeah i don't know enough really about dogs to weigh in on that yeah mm-hmm. let us know dog people we dogs i called it from the beginning i was like the dogs are going to be a major issue mm-hmm several couples. we should mention too that for McKinley and Dominique, he wants to have the dog in the bed. She does not. She says that's a deal breaker for her. Mm-hmm. Dogs.
0: Mm-hmm. dogs.
1: that's what I'm saying because we don't have kids or family to
0: talk about. And yeah, no, you're like you said, I don't want to like go back to that couple, but they have a, they just have a different orientation towards dogs. She's like dogs should add something to the family. For Chris and Nicole, dogs are the family. And I think for Eris and Jasmine, jo- dogs are the income stream. And, you know, I, I just don't know. We should have an animal studies scholar on to talk about dog breeding, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> that would be a
1: great idea. <laughs> you
0: know a few. Um. Okay, so should we move on? Do we have anyone else to talk about, really?
1: I mean, okay, Gina and Clint. Yeah. Live together either
0: yeah we 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 basically what happened with them in episode eight was that they met with Pastor Cal. He sits them down and he implores that if you do not move in together, your' the chasm will grow between each other, which I completely agree with. And of course, I see her side. she's not comfortable moving in. But I just wanted to mention um that she does it, it she does indicate that she still is talking about. Or she's still thinking about his fat phobic comments because again, she brings it back to, oh, you said I'm not athletic. Like I could beat you in the gym. And that just makes me really sad. Like she's still trying to get her, she's still trying to prove to him that she is in fact slender when that is not the discussion at all. It's like, he shouldn't have said that word, that it was fat phobic, that it has nothing to do with her. But now she's talking about, oh, I am an athlete. I, I could do
1: these things. And it's just like, it's just sad. Yeah. I think, I think it cut her really deep and I think it's going to be hard to bounce back because I mean, we don't have any indication that they've been intimate yet. Right. But I think that she's going to feel subconscious about showing her body, right. And, and being comfortable in her own skin with him. Um, And I think that, yeah, there's going to be an issue if they ever get there on that physical level. Right. Um, And. Her ever believing that he finds her attractive if if they even get there. Right. Um, I think he's going to have a hard time convincing her. She's going to have a hard time believing him. Um, And I'll just say, too, again, Clint tried to make this comparison between calling him a ginger and the comments that he made about her body. And I think he really does think that they're sort of on equal planes. And he actually said, like, that she has made disparaging comments
0: (laughs) against him by
1: calling him a ginger, right? Um, And I think the fact is, is that they're just, they're not equal, right? Um.
0: Yeah, they're not equal. They're never going to be. There isn't whole social movements around the acceptance of gingers. There, I mean, there's not like lost wages for the judgment of, of having red hair. There's just so many things that just it's not uh, you can't compare where you don't compete. I'm not the biggest Pastor Cal fan, but once in a while he dropped some gems and he did say to them, and I wrote it down that if you're not willing to change, you're not willing to be married. And I completely agree with that. It is, you need to be ready to change. And no one's saying that you need to let all your boundaries down and do all of that messy stuff, but you have to change. And I think it's clear that she actually does not want to change. I don't blame her. I'm just saying she does not want to change. And she says that she's like I don't want to move in. She's not going to move in. And he's like if
1: you're not working on a marriage you're working on a divorce. Completely agree with that. Yeah, I agree. Really good pieces of insight from Pastor Cal in this moment. And I will say I think I think that they're going to move in. If I had to put money on it, I think that they're going to move in. You think they're going to stay in separate bedrooms. I do not think they're going to make it to the end.
0: Completely agree. I actually don't think they're going to make yeah, I don't even think they're going to make it till D-Day.
1: Um, and I, I really started off this season thinking that they were going to be at the same level as Chris and Nicole because of their age. And I thought they were going to be driven by a same desire to be married more than anything else. And I think that they're quickly coming to the realization that actually um, they might be happier single, which is true I- for people. But yeah, no, I completely agree with that. The last
0: thing I wanted to mention about them is that she did start to cry when Pastor Kyle said that, um, you know, you have, or he has things that he's adventurous, he's spontaneous, he has things that you need in your life. And she started to cry. And I think she really is like, you know what, like, maybe that person's not Clint, but you know, that reminded her, she's like, yeah, I have like an issue with like working all the time or seeing my value only through work. Um, or displacing my desire for men into my, like, my desire for validation through work. And then I thought it was hilarious because the implied um, opposite of that is that Clint, <laughs> needs, Clint needs her work ethic in his life because he does not work very hard, which he also gives me those vibes. So,
1: yeah, I I, I feel bad for Gina. I mean, I think that she is such a lovely person I think she has so many nice qualities and I don't know I felt bad when she cried too because it's like at the same time that I I want her to have a successful relationship I also want her to be like Gina you know I think that you can work on those aspects of wanting more adventure um you know getting a better work-life balance without the avenue of a man a partner or a marriage like I don't know. You know, and I, I think that it might be displaced to think that that can only come from a man, a partner or a marriage.
0: Completely agree. As per usual. um, Can we just end talking just a little bit about Shaq and Kirsten's um, conversation with Pastor Cal and maybe them seeing
1: each other's apartments? Yeah. Again, I don't have a whole lot to say, except that I continue to just love Shaquille. I'm like, look, he has plants. He has pictures. Like, he is basically the best. Um, Her apartment situation was kind of funny. It was. And also, it looks
0: a lot like my house, which is very empty and sterile um I but I also like I have that Shaquille side of me where it's just like plants everywhere and like that, that type of stuff but I really loved how I like how he doesn't stay quiet right and all these in these other relationships with the non-dominant partner they tend to be more obsequious he's like where are your pictures this was like a serial killer's house like what's going on with this house <laughs> right yeah he's like where do you put your phone like, yeah. like What's going on? Um, And I like that he was just like, this closet gives me anxiety. Like, I don't know what's going on. My closet looks like that. Looks like that. But um, how did you feel about their meeting with Pastor Cal and her saying that she didn't feel like there was any chemistry?
1: I mean, again, kind of like disappointed. I don't know what's going on with her. I think that, I think it might very well be the case that it has way less to do with Shaquille and more to do with her. Right. And her ability to be emotionally vulnerable, open to something like marriage, because again, it seems like their issue, if we even want to call it an issue is his jokes, which is so minute. And, um, I mean, they they do have very different living spaces, for example, but I think in a lot of ways they're complementary, right? She has a very sort of sparse and minimalist aesthetic, which is fine. Um, but then, right, like she has a little bit more chaos and disorganization come out in the closet. Whereas he's maybe a little bit of the inverse of that. He has more things in his living space, but then he's very neat and tidy and organized. So I can see how these things could be complementary. I just haven't seen anything that would be a deal breaker for them and Mm yet just not feeling it with him and so I'm starting to think well not starting to think continuing to think that it it might just be her and that maybe she doesn't want to open up to a spouse really.
0: Yeah I'm starting to wonder if I'm seeing a lack of emotional maturity with her in terms of just relationship history, because I feel like even though I'm a viewer watching an edited television show, I feel like I've seen chemistry. So I was actually really shocked to hear her say that she didn't feel like there was any, just because you're not having sex, doesn't mean that there's no chemistry. I, I think they have been flirtatious. I see them like her sitting on his lap. I Those are things I do with people I have chemistry with. So I wouldn't do that with a friend. Um, But again, like his face, when she says these things, like, I think that, you know, like it hurts, it hurts my heart a little bit. And, and Pastor Cal does call her out about like burying things and, you know, the need to be vulnerable. But what I think is interesting is that he says like, you two can be a power couple. And I'm interested to hear what you have to, what a power couple is, if you think they can be a power couple. And also what's the opposite of a power couple? Because... Power couple is something we hear a lot as millennials and, you know, like you want, you want someone to like match you and be their best. And that I think that is not always a successful relationship. So yeah, I'm just curious what you think about that.
1: Yeah, that's such an interesting point. I guess I've never really thought about what the inverse of a power couple is. Um, But at the same time, when he said you guys could be a power couple, I saw what he meant. And I knew exactly what he meant by that. And I think what he was getting at the way that I heard it and read it was, these can be two people who are successful in their professions, right? Who have, you know, um, I don't know. Yeah, really interesting. How do we actually define it, right? I, I would say success in their professions, who are, you know, well-matched and complementary, And I guess ultimately, maybe I think about a power couple as, as a team, right? And as a partnership that does mutual uplifting of one another in a way that's different from a relationship that's perhaps quite uneven, even if that unevenness is consensual, right? So I think having, for example, like one breadwinner and then one person that works in the domestic sphere, you know, those are two different things. And I think that that's maybe not a power couple where the power couple is sort of on the same path, kind of like reinforcing one another rather than this. I I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I was trying to define it or I'm trying to think about it when Pastor Cal said it as like, I'm not saying you're doing this, but just like outside capitalistic terms, right? Because when people say power couple, they're like Beyonce and Jay-Z. And I'm like, why? Because they make similar amounts of money or, you know, what is a power couple just because they're both famous or because they both have, are A-list movie stars or something like that? So um, no, I completely agree with you. I think that there has to be an inherent sense of equality or equity and partnership. So I definitely agree with you, mutually uplifting and like, we're only as strong as you know, our weakest person or, um, or as the person like who needs the most help in that moment. But I felt like, I feel like a little bit that it is a kind of overutilized or it's appropriated kind of in like black love spheres. Like you need to be a power couple, but it's like, love doesn't always have to be powerful from the outside. You know, like as long as you have power internally or within the relationship, I think that that's, wonderful, but it doesn't always look that way, you know, on Instagram, you know, or on social media. And so people think, oh, that's not a power couple. Cause I never see your boyfriend
1: on there or whatever. And I'm like, that's not what it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that point. Um, I will say to clarify that I think in the kind of relationship where the two people are doing very different things and contributing to the relationship or to the marriage household differently, I don't need, I, I don't want to characterize one as being sort of in power and the other one is not right. Um, or as contributing where the other one is not like we hear the devaluation of women's work in the domestic sphere constantly. And so I, I'm not trying to say that there's not power in that, but to me, I think when we're defining a power couple, it's, it's more about this sort of like convergence in a similar path and trajectory that does mutually reinforce rather than contributing in two very different sort of ways. Yeah, um, yeah. I wanted to clarify that, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see that come up. And I think that they both want to be cast as a power couple. I think that's desirable to them and that may give them some incentive to try to stick it out a little bit more. I mean, I think they're also both considered, you know, physically attractive within their groups. Um, I think about a power couple being people that are well-liked, right, that have a strong social network. Um, Yeah, but it's going to be interesting to see if that desire, again, is is really a desire to achieve a particular social status or outward appearance. Or if it's really driven by the desire to build love, intimacy, and connection within a romantic relationship.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. No, and I think, yeah, there is like, it has to be a mutual kind of like recognizability. So like, for instance, if Shaq had a girlfriend that was like a Black woman professor and like an expert in Black feminist theory, like that would be a power couple. I mean, I don't know who that would ever be, but, you know, they might like run a podcast or something, but that would be a power couple. I'm just kidding. I think that Kirsten's really great for him. And I think she he's really good for her. I just wish that she could see it. You know, I don't, and I don't think that she's going to see it before the end of this experiment. What do you think?
1: Yeah, again, I, I want them to work out. I'm totally rooting for them. I don't know if it's going to get there, though. Chemistry is a finicky thing. Um, I don't think it can be manufactured always. Sometimes it can but oftentimes it can't. And if they don't have it um, and they haven't developed it after being in paradise on vacation, I don't know that it's going to develop now where reality is going to set in.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. So here we are. Married at First Sight, episode seven and eight. Next week is their, um, season, or episode nine is the episode where they have like family and friends come over and they do the whole housewarming thing. From what we get from the next week on, it looks like there's a lot of drama um, related to especially Eris's cousin, again, I think she's going to be an antagonist. I really wish this show did reunions, like actual, like really like mediated reunions because I think she'd be great on it. Um But yeah, it looks like there's some drama. Super excited about lay drama. And yeah, we'll be catching up next week. Look for our episode next week. Again, we're on Patreon. Please um, join our community there to talk about these things and more. Um, If you're on our social media, you've seen that we are producing more content about the episodes that we're doing and also about key terms that we discuss so that you can learn with us. And we would love if you comment on those things and tell us what we're wrong. Tell us where we're right, tell us where you disagree, etc. And where
1: can they find us on social media, Dr. Rule? We're on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Our handle is at RLTY101. And just like Dr. Molly said, please give us a like, give us a follow, leave a comment. We would love to be engaged with you and we so support your support. Um <laughs> this project as a black and indigenous feminist podcast reading something that we all really enjoy but that needs a bit more of a critical lens so again uh please please engage please um, support however you can check out our patreon tiers and with that we'll be back next week with another episode should i say it dr molly go ahead all right class dismissed